Good morning. Welcome to the story. If you're a guest with us today, a first-time guest especially, just want to let you know that we have been going through the major narratives of the Bible, and today we actually leave the Old Testament and move into the New Testament. It's sort of like a Christmas in July because we're looking at the birth of Christ. All those Old Testament prophecies... Uh, like through Abraham, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. It's the seed line is going to be born. And that's going to happen today. That's what we're going to be looking at. The birth of a king. And the, and the beauty of all this is the child was the king. And if we get to know the king, we get to be his children as well. And as we've been walking through the, the Bible, and especially looking at all these Old Testament stories... They've all been leading up to this big event. It's the story of redemption. Redemption's a compound word. Re meaning again, redemption meaning to buy. And it's God's plan to buy us back again. Back by sinful man back again. Because what was lost in Adam, the first man, is found in Christ, the second Adam. But in order for us to be bought back, Christ has to be born. In order for Christ to be born, we need an earthly mother. And God from heaven looked down upon this planet. And of all the women in the world, guess who he chose? A woman named what? Mary. You know, that's a name that's still in vogue to this day. We, we name our girls today Mary. Why? Because we want them to be like Mary, pure and holy and willing to do things God's way. And that's exactly what Mary was. And uh, an angel of the Lord appears to her, you know the story, look at Luke chapter 1, and tells her, hey, if you're willing, God wants to use you, you're going to have a son, he will be great, he'll be called the Son of the Most High, chapter 1, verse 32. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob, how long, folks? Forever and ever and ever, and his kingdom will never end. If you're in Christ, you're in Christ's church, you're in Christ's kingdom, at least that part of it, and we will never end. If his kingdom will never end and we're in Christ, guess what? We will never end. We will live forever and ever and ever. And What did he say in the Lord's Prayer? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever. We're in that kingdom, folks. That's the good news. If you're a child of God, because of this child being born, you're in the kingdom. Now, good news needs to be spread. And so God came to some shepherds in chapter 2 and verse 11. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. What kind of baby is this going to be? A Savior. And how is he going to save us? He's going to die. Here's the only baby that was ever born for the express purpose of dying for the sins of all mankind, so that we could enter into that kingdom. He is Christ the Lord. Now this is going to be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Now, you also need an earthly father. You've got a mom, you've got announcers through the shepherds, you've got to have some witnesses, but you need an earthly father. And so God chose Joseph. Joseph was a good man. He wanted to do things God's way, but uh, you know what? When, when the woman that you're engaged really betrothed to be married to, he's legally married, really, at this time before they've ever come together in a sexual way. He now hears from Mary, guess what, Joseph, I'm pregnant. And you know he wasn't thrilled about that. 
And you know he would have had to ask the question, although we don't read about this, you know something like this must have happened. All right, Mary, whose baby is it? Oh, Joseph, it's God's. God's. Now, fellows, would you go for that today? I mean, if the girl you're engaged to tells you, yeah, it's God's baby. See, Joseph knows of only one way in which women become... But God came into the world to have a relationship with us. He didn't come into the world to scare us and frighten us away with big pillars of fire. Everything's changing. God comes into the world as a baby, safe and approachable. This is a brilliant idea. This is a perfect idea. God created us to love us. He just wants us to love him back, but it's hard to love something back that you can't relate to. We can relate to a human being. There's a story of a prince and a peasant, and this prince was going through a village one day, and his eye fell upon a beautiful young maiden, and man, it was just, whew, his heart's going pitter-patter. I got to get to know her. I mean, this is one of those instant love type of a situation. And, and he thought, well, how, how am I going to get to know her? How am I going to get her to love her? How can I win her love over? And he, had three, he thought of three options. Number one, he says, you know what? I am royalty. She is one of my subjects. I, I could go to her and I could just demand that she marry me. And she would have to do so. But then he got to thinking, well, but it really wouldn't be love. She would just be obeying an order, a commandment, if you will. And he thought, no, I know what I'll do. I'll go to her house. I will dress in my royal robes, my best suit, crown on my head. I'll come up with all the pomp and circumstances in my royal chariot with my six, you know, royal stallions leading the way. And when I get to her house, I'll go up to her front door. I will knock on that door. I will escort her out and show her all the wealth of my kingdom. And I'll say, all my wealth will become yours. And she will be compelled to, to marry me. But then he thought, no, that, that really won't work. Because she'll just be marrying me for my what? My money. That's all that would be about. And then he thought, here's what I'll do. I'll give up my royal robes. And I will enter her world as a peasant. I will share in her interest. I will speak her language. I will live all the aches and the pains of peasant life. And in time, she will grow to love me because I first loved her. Are you seeing an analogy here, folks? We love him because he first loved what? Us. That's our God. And so this baby idea is brilliant because babies are approachable. Philip Yancey writes, Although power can be forced obedience, only love can summon a responsive love, which is the one thing God wants from us and the reason he created us. God's nature is self-giving. He, his, he bases his appeal on sacrificial love. And that's why we get it. That's why we love him, because he first loved us. And as I look at that cross, and as Luis helped us connect with that cross during communion today, and we saw him there, hanging there, we see the love of God. For God so loved the world. Now God could have come down as this great big pillar of fire and demanded of all of us, 
you will serve me. And man, in fear and trembling, we would do it, wouldn't we? I mean, if God came down this big old fiery ball and, and demanded that of us, man, I'm there, I'm serving, but I'm serving out of fear, not out of love. I'm serving out of fear, not because I want a relationship here. I just don't want to be in hot water and trouble with my God. He would scare us into obedience. But there's no real relationship there. Have you come to the point in your life that you now realize that proximity with God doesn't equal a relationship with God? Let me say that again. You can be in the proximity of God. I mean, you may show up to church week after week after week. You may even read your Bible occasionally. You may even see a, say a rote prayer. But really, down deep inside, you don't have a relationship with God. And you know, there are people like that. Well, God, I did many mighty works in your name. I, I went to church, and I served in the youth group, and I even got baptized. So you owe me. No, 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 no. Being in proximity does not equal a relationship. Have you ever been in the proximity of somebody great? I have. This man claimed to be the greatest boxer in the world. His name was Muhammad Ali. And I was three feet away from him one day. Jane and I, 30-plus years ago, I was trying to ask her, how, how long ago was that? She goes, oh, I don't know, it's got to be 30, 35 years ago. We were at LAX, coming back from a trip from somewhere, and we were going down the terminal, and I look over, and I see Muhammad Ali, the man that claimed to be the greatest boxer in all the world. And he's got this huge entourage with him. And I'm thinking, man, I've I, I got to get his autograph. I, I'm a fan. You know, I mean, I watched all of his fights, and that guy really was a great boxer. And I said, you know, I need his autograph really, really bad. James, would you go get it? <laughs> and she did. And she goes over there, and pen, pen paper, you know, and... And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm standing next to Jane, who's standing next to Muhammad Ali. I'm like this close. But just because I was in the proximity of greatness did not mean I had a relationship with greatness, right? And so let's say he and his entourage gets in his limousine, and I get in my car, and I follow that limousine to his house, and I try to get in his house. I'm going to get punched right in the nose by the greatest, right? Why? He ain't let me in because I don't have a relationship. I was just in proximity with him. He's going to think I'm a nutcase. And there's a lot of people that show up to church week after week after week and they hang out with God's children, but they really don't have a relationship. They're just sort of in proximity. Years ago, uh, a couple came to me and they wanted to get married. And I said, sure, of course, but I need to meet with you some. And so let's get together. And we did. Went through all the counseling, did the, did the wedding, da 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 and, and not long later... Um, I noticed that this young man who was attending church and who had even gotten baptized uh, stopped attending. And I said, what, what's the deal? I talked to him. I said, what's the deal? What, why aren't you still fellowshipping with God? He says, well, you know, I really love this girl, and her daddy was an elder, and he said the only way that I could marry her is if I got baptized. He got baptized not to have a relationship with God Almighty, but to have a relationship with this girl on earth that he was in love with. No relationship. No salvation. Baptized for all the wrong reasons. 
Jesus talked about people like this in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And did we not drive out demons and perform miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. What's that mean? I never had a relationship with you. Yeah, you went through all the motions, but there was no real relationship. There was no real intimacy between you and me. And I don't let strangers into my house. And you are a stranger. The Old Testament kind of shows us this picture. Uh, First of all, you see the Old Testament saying that we got people on this side that want to get over to God on that side, but what's dividing us? There's this big, great, fixed gulf. And we need a Savior. That's why we're into the New Testament, getting Christ born so he can die on a cross and then be put in a tomb, and then be raised from the dead. We're in the early stages here. This week he's born. Next week he is baptized, and he begins his ministry. And then we move on to the death, burial, and resurrection, and the church age begins. That's where we're going with the story. But right now, we're leading up to this relationship. How do we get that? Here's what the New Testament says. Man's over here, God's over here, and this cross here is the bridge that brings us all together. Are you seeing that? Now, here's what a lot of times people do. They don't understand the grace concept, and they're kind of hooked on works. You know, if it's going to be, it's up to me. Yeah, God did something for me, but, you know, I've got to do something too. And so they try to fill that ditch in, right, with good works and uh, really legalistic salvation. And that doesn't work at all, folks. That's why there's no joy in legalism. But he comes to a group of angels, and the angels come to a group of shepherds in Luke chapter 2 and verse 10. Back to our story this morning. Let's get Jesus born. The angels said to them, do not be afraid. See, when you're in the presence of God or even God's angels, messengers, it's a frightful thing. Don't be afraid. Why does he say that? Because they were afraid. I bring you good news. Oh, I love that verse. He's not bringing good advice. You know, Dr. Phil may give some good advice, but it's not good news because you can take the good advice and still be lost. We don't need good advice, folks. We need good news of great joy. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And because he is Christ the Lord, he's got the right to make the rules. He's got the right to make the demands. And here's one of the demands he makes. He tells everyone, here's the truth. I am the way. I don't point you to the way. I am the way. I am the truth. I don't point you to the truth. I am the truth. And I am the life. Not, I can tell you how to find life. I am the life. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. Now, that's the truth. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, how many times have you shared that with someone, and they say, you Christians are so exclusive, I want to tell you something. If it's the truth, exclusivity is good. But God is also very inclusive. What do I mean by that? Chapter 2, verse 8. And there were shepherds living in the fields nearby. Who did God go to first to announce the birth of his son? The lowest class in society. You couldn't get any lower than a shepherd. I mean, Jewish boys didn't aspire. One of these days, I want to be a shepherd. No, shepherds stunk. Shepherds live out in the field. As a matter of fact, you remember when in the Old Testament, we were going through the story, and, um, and Joseph's brothers come to Joseph in Egypt to live. And Joseph says, hey, tell them, 
Tell them you're shepherds. And Pharaoh goes, oh, shepherds, ah, you're going to have that land way over there in Goshen, you know, way, way, way over there. They don't want shepherds around. Shepherds, stinky, stinky. And the Egyptians had nothing to do with that. And so God, of all the people he could have chose to make this announcement to, was the lowest of the low. I think that's inclusive, don't you? If he'll go to the lowest, he can go to the highest. Everybody is welcome in God's family, in God's kingdom. Even looking at Jesus' genealogy, you know what you'll find in Jesus' genealogy? You'll find people that, well, there were incest, there were uh, adulterers, there were murderers, there were prostitutes, there were moral outsiders, there were racial outsiders. All this is by design to show us how inclusive our God really is. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the, what's the next word? World! How more inclusive can you get than the whole wide world that he gave his one and only son? Whosoever that believes in him, whosoever meaneth who? Me, you. Whosoever is anybody in this world that God loves so much because he died for the whole lot. Rahab was a prostitute, but you know what? She was in the whosoever club. Uh, Ruth was a Moabitess. You know all the story about the Moabites when we studied that. But she was in the whosoever club. Moses was a murderer who was in the whosoever club. David was a murderer and an adulterer, but he was in the whosoever club. Our God is very inclusive, but he's the only way to heaven. No other way but Jesus. Luke chapter 2, verse 1, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. I'm glad this story is in the Bible. I'm glad the historicity and the factual nature of the book is so much different from the fairy tales you read about in life. Look at the detail. Who's on the throne? Caesar Augustus. Do we know about this guy? Yeah. Is he a man of history? Is it a matter of record that he ruled at a certain date and a certain time? So we can date this. And we can actually pinpoint the date. This was the first census that, was, that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. See, that's the way they did it. We do different censuses today. People may knock on your door and find out how many is in this household. Well, back then, you had to go back to your place of birth, the original place of birth. And where did Joseph and Mary live? They were up here in North Galilee in a city, a town called Nazareth. You know, everyone called Jesus of Nazareth. But where was he actually born, folks? Bethlehem of Judea, the city of David. That's a three-day journey by donkey. And you're nine months pregnant, and you get there, and you knock on the inn, and they say, go away, no room in the inn. Ugh. And now you're having birth in a, in a barn, lowly birth, all history, all prophecy. Prophecy is a great proof that Jesus was who he claimed to be. Now, see how different this is from once upon a time in a faraway place. Long, long ago, that's fairy tales. This book gives names, dates, places, and events. If this was not true, it would never be written like this. You remember the Star Wars trilogy? 
the first one. You remember how it started? I love the beginning. There's all this writing. They give you the history on the screen. It's scrolling you know, up in a galaxy far, far away. And as cool as Star Wars was, it's not real. This is real. Names, dates, places, events, all stuff that could be checked out if you wanted to. Matthew 1, verse 1, even his genealogy is there. This is the genealogy of who? Jesus Christ, the son of who? David. See, David's in his seed line. It was prophesied of that. The son of Abraham. That's that Genesis 12. Abraham, if you leave your father and mother, go to the land I'll show you. I'll make your name great. I'll bless those that bless you. I'll curse those that curse you. But through your seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Jews were huge on genealogies. They could check this out. This is full of history. And really, history is his story. The story of Jesus is filled with history, and everybody has a story. You know, you've got a story. I've got a story. Some stories look like this. Uh, father, mother, sister, brother, grandparents. Uh, some, some stories say, I'm a teacher, or I'm a... I'm an artist. You know, some stories are success stories, and then some stories are failure stories. And then you've got some success and some failure because nobody bats a thousand. But I know something about everyone in this room because you're a human being. You're imperfect, so you've got hurts, you've got habits, you've got hang-ups. And, you know, you can identify with that story and say, this is my story, this box is my story. But really, you know what the story is? of the story is from heaven God looks down and he writes this your story really is just one thing child of the king child of the king because the child was born you can be a child of the king well Bruce are there any passages that talk about this a whole bunch but for brevity I'm going to give you one Romans 8 verse 16 the spirit himself testifies with our spirit, that we are God's what? Children. Now, we're going to close with a prayer here in a minute. But I just want to confess something to you. I struggle with this. I don't know about you, but, but I struggle because I tend to find my identity in kind of what I do. Or sometimes I find my identity in what, well, I don't do that and I do do this. And then sometimes I find my identity, I shouldn't do that, but I do it anyway. Sometimes I define myself by the way I feel, my mood that day. Does anybody know what I'm talking about here? And you kind of go through that. And so I want to give you a challenge. And I'm going to challenge myself. I've already been doing this this week. Pray this prayer with me between now and next week, three times a day. And here's the prayer. Lord, help me to remember that you love me and that I am a child of the King. Anybody need that prayer in their life besides me? Praise Him, come on up. I want you to help me say this. As a matter of fact, everybody stand up right where you are. Let's pray this prayer together. And so you only have to do it two more times today, all right? Because we're going to do it one time together right now. Let's look at this. Here we go. Lord, help me to remember that you love me and that I am a child of the King. Let's pray.
Thank you, God, for coming to earth in the flesh as a baby, as one of us, something that we can relate to, something that we can touch, something that is tangible. May we remember daily that you are our Father and that we are your children. I just want to ask everyone in here a question this morning. I want to leave you with this thought. Are you in proximity with God or are you in a real relationship with God? Have, have you ever said, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That little baby grew up to be a man, and that man died on a cross for me. That man not only died, he was buried, and then that man didn't stay buried. He rose from the grave, and he lives forevermore, and he's coming back for his church one day. I believe that story. Father, I'm sorry for my sins. I repent. Lord, I'm a believer, but I've never put you on a baptism. And that was one of the last things you said to do before you left this planet. I stand ready to do that today. If that's you, let us know. Father, bless everyone here. In Jesus' name, amen.